Hello and welcome to Create Talk Repeat. My name is Dustin Brenton. On this episode, I spoke with Ginger Birkenbuehl, an award-winning strategist and creative executive recognized as most innovative by Fast Company Magazine in 2022. We discussed the music she creates with her husband in the band Utah Carol, and how she was on the cover of Graphic Design USA Magazine that featured both her and me, but I'm not better. And she has a way of turning the interview back on me and asking me a lot of questions about myself. She's a very busy person, and we're happy to have her on this podcast. But before we get to this interview, here's a word from our sponsor. Stay tuned. Anchor.fm is now Spotify for podcasters. New name, improved experience. Spotify is more dedicated than ever to empowering creators. This platform will continue to offer the best features to grow your podcast and distribute it everywhere, all for free. Visit podcasters.spotify.com for more details. Back to the show. Hello, and today on Create Talk Repeat, I have Ginger Birkenbuehl. Ginger, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Dustin. I've uh, wanted Ginger on here for a while. We've been trying to get our schedules uh, together for uh, probably since we started. You're one of the first people I reached out to. Um, the reason that I reached out to Ginger was back in 2021, we were both featured in Graphic Design USA's People to Watch list. And she was on the cover and I was not, and I'm bitter about that. So we're going to have it out today. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to fight to the death. <laughs> no, no, no. But I, I no, it's great. It's great. <laughs> I, that was where I first, uh, you know, uh, learned who you were and just thought, you know what, I want to talk to this person. So I've been following you on, you know, LinkedIn and, and whatnot ever since. So I love it. And you know, about that cover, I was looking great on that cover. I mean, that was pre-pandemic Jinja. So no, I was yeah. like a, a whole different woman. <laughs> there's a reason why they put you on the cover and not me. You know, they wanted people to actually use the magazine and not use it for sell, Kindling. Sell the cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say sell it, but it is, you know, it's, it's a free it's a free you magazine. You know, it is yeah. it's free. You're totally totally there's right. A, that's a that, that's a plug for Graphic Design USA. Yeah, GD USA is great. I mean, I I just I feel like what I love about that publication um, is that it's authentic. They really do look at the work. Um, the people that run the publication, I, I feel like it's a family-owned business, right? Like everybody mm -hmm. is interested and fascinated, and and really, uh, you know, holds the hold the magazine in, in very high standards. And I, I just feel like they really care about their publication. They spend mm -hmm. a lot of time um, cultivating the people that show up there. Um, it's very important to them that the images look great and that the work that's shown is representative of the industry. I just, I think they do such a wonderful job. And I've known about GD USA, I think since I was in college, I mean, it was, it was well, happening in college. So it's a, it's a really like long, 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 you know, living publication. And I'm, I'm just so proud of them that they're still keeping keeping the the spirit of graphic design alive you know what i mean um in, a, in such a dignified way too yeah and i'm it's i've been a subscriber since i was in college as well probably 2001 um and it's uh it's it's fun to see uh you know obviously myself in there now like and and share it with everybody and say oh my gosh they put me in here um, but like an ad for gdusa i know I mean, right we'll get off of this for a second i, I should get the get, get uh somebody get on the show this? i know affiliate yeah. marketing maybe they could be a, a sponsor, sponsor but anyway well, let's, 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 pivot. Sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> let's pivot to ginger since that's okay. the reason you're here um 
Well, what is it that you, I always ask everybody that comes on the podcast, what do you create? Oh my gosh. You know, that's a loaded question for me because I am a creator. So I create a lot of things. Um, I think critically, I think creatively, I think strategically, and I don't see myself as a consumer. I see myself as a creator. So every minute I walk through the world and through my life and down the street, you know, going to grocery stores, whatever it is, looking, you know, you know, scrolling, doom scrolling on, on, on Instagram or, you know, visiting TikTok, things like that. I really, you know, consume this information to turn it back around to ask myself, what can I do with this and how can I use it to create something different? So that for me is, like I said, a big question, but generally, you know, I have an agency called Burr Creative and it's a holding company for several other initiative I've, initiatives I've launched. Um, my agency focuses on, you know, branding strategies, marketing, media buying. I do a lot of media buying. Um, right now, um, my company spent the last, the last several years focusing on um, recruiting strategies and what what do recruiting strategies look like for my company? That's branding, messaging, um, corporate messaging, thought leadership, but also a lot of media buying to figure out what are the channels that we need to use to reach the people to get them to at least get to the point of applying for a job for you. And I also do a lot of creative around that. Um, you know, visual identity, marketing materials, advertising um, that shows up on YouTube or even billboard advertising and, and radio and television commercials, things like that. Um, but also as part of um, one of the verticals of my agency, I have a podcast as well called the Honest Field Guide podcast. And I interview entrepreneurs and small business owners just like you to understand what their journey has been um, to their success. How did they get here? And um, one of the things I always like to learn on my podcast is you know, you you are a creative person. Did you grow up in a creative family? So I do try to look for people that didn't necessarily grow up with a family of artists and musicians because I want to understand how they found their way to be, being a creative themselves. And then I also have a publishing company called Burke Digital, and that company really does create um, publications that can go on Apple and Amazon for, for individuals and corporations. And um, I just launched a nonprofit organization around the time that you became a, a visual painter artist, which we were talking about earlier. I launched a nonprofit in 2021 called Journey of Gratitude. And that's um, a nonprofit foundation that um, I try to find entrepreneurs, small business owners with a little bit of, a, of an edge towards women to help them understand what's happening in technology. So I provide training. Um, information. Um, I have curriculum I've developed to sort of help them understand what type of technology tools do you need in order to be successful in whatever you're trying to do, whether they want to be a business owner or whether they, um, you know, want to figure out how can I make myself better in my mind so that I can be applying for these awesome AI jobs, for example, that are, you know, that are all out there. Like, what do right. I need to know to be technologically savvy? So I, I really do spend a lot of time um, with one-on-one -on -one small group coaching and things like that. Um, and I'm excited about that nonprofit because I just want to make sure I can give back. And I've, I've been doing that as a Google digital coach since 2017. Mm -hmm. um, I've been working with small business owners to help them understand how to use Google tools. Um, and the program now has actually expanded across the country and we have rural people that are working in the same role that I do in Illinois for Google Digital Coaches. But that's such a large scaled program with Google that I really wanna understand how can I kind of do something similar but in a much smaller way so I can give people more one-on-one. -on -one. So um, that's why when I said, when you, when you asked me the question, you know, what do you create? It's, I, I create so many things and I really love, um, you know, being a creator. Um, and I'm also a musician. So my husband and I have a band, a country band called Utah Carol, and we have three albums out and, um, 
put out back in a lot, actually quite a while ago. And it's, it's beautiful because I put these, these uh, records out and I'm a marketer by, by trade. So I launched the band like a business and I was really excited. I, I actually stuck it on my wall. We got a check from Harry Fox agency from a song that we wrote 25 years ago. And I was like, yes, victory, all these digital, <laughs> these digital codes in my songs, they, they ended up still writing a check for us, which is, nice. is amazing. So um, that's sort of the, uh, the super creative side of me is, is the music side, which mm. I think I kind of want to say my husband is more, more on that. I feel like he's, you know, taking up the, uh, he's taken up a torch on, on Utah Carol at this yeah. point more than I have. Cause I, cause we have three children now. So I have to figure out how to get them to college. Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, it sounds like you have just a lot of free time on your hands and you don't do oh, anything. Yeah. Is Tons that what I'm hearing? Time. Exactly. So much free time. <laughs> you know, you, you sound like a lot of other creatives that when I ask them what do they create and they go through this whole list of things. Cause I feel like as a creative type, we, you, you mentioned it, like, um, you're a, you're a creator, not a consumer. And you're like, when you're, when you're going through the world, you're always looking at, well, how can I create this? How can I create that? And I I'm the same way. I, you know, I paint, I am a graphic designer. I, um, I write, I, um, create music. I do. I mean, it's like, I always feel this need to continually create whether it's for a hobby or it's for business purposes. But um, I also love you. You mentioned uh, the nonprofits. That was something that uh, the reason I started my agency was I, I like working for nonprofits and I didn't know how much I missed it when I didn't do it for a while. Mm -hmm. And it may sound cheesy, corny, what have you, but like I didn't feel like fulfilled in what I was doing. I was happy working with companies and helping them. You know, I worked with a lot of uh, local kind of smaller companies. Um, you know, just doing their marketing and stuff, but I wasn't helping the nonprofits. I didn't feel like I was using my powers for good, you know? And once I was able to start my own agency and work with a lot of nonprofits, whether that be just a, a local uh, nonprofit theater group here, or if it's, you know, somebody who's actually helping with tornado victims or helping, you know, whatever it might be, something that, uh, whatever pops up, um, you know, that it just feels like it it's more important than, uh, even though I don't make as much money off of it, it's more important to do that than it is to, uh, you know, keep working with the corporate clients. Hundred percent. I do both. I'll work with either, but it's, it's nice to have. Well, you got to pay the bills. You got to right? pay the bills. Non Nonprofits, you know, since yeah. the all the the lot of the um, funding is has dried up in some ways since the pandemic, the PPP money, things like that. So a lot of nonprofits, um, their their fundraising is down, so they do need help um, from creatives like us, strategic mm -hmm. thinkers like us to help them understand how to get to whatever level they're trying to get to. They really do need our outside assistance. Most of these nonprofit organizations don't have people internally um, that they can afford that can do the kind of work that we can do as an outside as an outside consulting agency. So I'm really glad that, that you're doing that work. And I, I do nonprofit work as well, not as much as I used to. Um, but I still, I still, it's still a big part of, um, you know, one of my one of my agency verticals. I have some nonprofits that I work with exclusively, and most of the nonprofits that come to my agency, I'm unfortunately not able to help and take care of mm -hmm. for a number of reasons. But I do have a staple of companies that I continuously try to help them. You know, yeah. get their customers or you know get donors or whatever they're trying to do. I, I really it, I agree with you. I feel like I have to contribute in some other way my talents. Mm -hmm. That's why yeah. I left corporate. I left corporate because I just the last big job I did, the company will go nameless. <laughs> but the last big job I did, I, I looked at the budget and I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? This 
money to do what can actually feed 20 villages mm-hmm. in on you know in, in one of the countries in Africa or or, right. or one of the cities in India. Like I just it was so much money that it was mind blowing to me. And I thought I can't, I cannot, I can't do this. This is it didn't even feel right. Mm. Yeah. It's uh it's it's a different world sometimes when you're playing with the the bigger clients as opposed to the the nonprofits. You uh you mentioned your podcast and it sounds like you started your podcast the same reason I did mine. Uh, maybe not the same reason, but doing the same kind of thing where I like to ask people, you know, where they came from, what, how they got to where they are. And the reason I, I talked to so many people from different, um, different avenues of, of creativity, whether that be a filmmaker, whether it be a graphic designer or musician, whatever it might be. Um, I want people to hear the different stories and to know that whatever your circumstances is, wherever you come from, if you want to follow your dreams and be, you know, follow your creativity and make that into possibly a profession, or maybe it's just a great hobby, um, you can do that. And it mm-hmm. does, you don't necessarily have to come from a creative family. So with that said, when did you start creating and did you come from a creative uh, family? Yes. Well, I actually did come from a creative family and uh, my mother when I was growing up as a little girl, you know, I was raised like a free spirit. So she didn't put any barriers in front of me to making art ever. Um, and I have that same virtue with my own children. Like I just don't, I don't put any barriers up to them wanting to create things. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually, I get kind of angry if they don't create things, to be honest. I'm like, why aren't you creating something right now? <laughs> right. Look yeah. at all these tools. I didn't have this when I was a kid. I couldn't make money back then. Back in the day when I was when I was a kid, I couldn't make money. <laughs> I had to walk a hundred miles to the to the bathroom. What is going on? So um yeah, no, I I you know, I, I definitely came from a creative family and I fortunately went to schools that also helped cultivate my creativity. Mm-hmm. I went to a high school where I had an amazing art teacher that also encouraged me as along with other students i wasn't the only one i wasn't i wasn't the kid that stood out that was like oh my god this is this is a brilliant kid in our entire school i I went to very you know privileged public schools in chicago that had a lot of resources and then i went to you know when i went to university i was um not sure what i was going to do but i did walk around all the different art all the different you know schools in the university you know i was in the psychology school the sciences and marketing and went to the music side, went to the to the art building. And I, I actually accidentally stumbled upon a, a class that was um, fundamentally a branding class. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to use a, a T-square and a ruler and a compass. And I, I discovered that I was, I had excellent um, eye hand um, detail coordination. And it was, it was, it was striking. My teachers, like you're, they just sort of saw how much talent I had with, with, the work I was doing on paper. And that really started my, my, my journey in the, you know, creative field, because I decided to go into the branding and visual communications department of the school um, of art that I was attending at the time. And that's kind of started my whole, my whole path of, of being a professional creative versus a painter or, or a sculptor or, um, you know, someone that's doing photography. Those are, those are areas that were not something that I was really good at. Um, and but design was something amazing. Um, I was really into the details and the perfection and the craft of of putting things together. I mean, even making books then was was a beautiful experience. You know, putting paper together to make shapes in my package design class was um, 
was really challenging and fulfilling. Um, so that's really what happened. And then after that, I, you know, I graduated and and then started moving into the work world. And I was in a commercial art space anyway. So I wasn't, it's not like going to fine art school where you're a painter and then you go out into the world and you're like, okay, what can I do with this? I already had a profession, you know, graduating from college and I was able to hit the ground running. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, really, and I was at, I was at the top of my class. Um, one of the, one of the students at the top of my class, I was already an award-winning student by then. Um, I had work that was shown in Howl Magazine, for example, um, which still exists. And um, I actually still know the woman that that was was the editor of Howl Magazine. <laughs> Believe it or not, um, we're still friends. And I don't know how this happened. I mean, she was, you know, she was she was she's an amazing she's an amazing woman. And I, it's it's shocking that I discovered her on LinkedIn. I was like, oh my god, you're the woman. That was running the magazine where my work got featured as you know the student of the year thing and it's just you know linkedin is a powerful tool <laughs> this mm -hmm. is not chilling for linkedin but linkedin is a place where you can like you and i met on linkedin so yeah. so anyway yeah so it's it's for me it's 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 just been something that i've been doing my whole life um it, it wasn't it was not an accident and that's kind of why for me i'm always fascinated by people that did not have some of the benefit I had growing up and but they still found their way to creativity mm -hmm. and I'm I'm always I'm always fascinated by the story because it's very difficult when you have an environment or a family or a community or a culture that doesn't celebrate art in 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 a profession they just feel like you're never going to make money what are you going to do with that mm -hmm. and I and I'm always like how did you get there because there's so many people adults that look back and they and they regret because they didn't have the opportunity to become an, the artist that they always wanted to be you know what i mean mm -hmm. and um it's disappointing because you feel that you've sort of like a person who was a natural artist could have been something different i'm i'm, I'm running across so many people that are in the medical field and in this you know science field and when you look at what they're doing on the side hustle they're djs yeah they're artists they have they have a fashion business on the side they're a yoga instructor and you're like okay you know and and one woman i actually spoke to she was even saying i never thought i had a choice i had to go to you know quote unquote medical school mm -hmm. so i i mean you know i don't know what your background was if you kind yeah. of had if you were one of those people that had to fight your way through art to get there or if you were sort of in it as a child yeah, I was I was lucky that my see I didn't come from a creative family per se. Um, you know, my uh, as far as professions, my mom was a mail carrier, my dad was a policeman, but like they were always very encouraging and was always there to support whatever creativity that my brother and I did. And you know, seeing my my brother doing i've told the story before about like i knew i wanted to be a designer when i was in like fourth grade because wow. i i remember seeing well <laughs> my, my brother was uh eight years older than me and he was doing graphic arts classes in high school and i saw the work that he was bringing home and i thought that was really cool and i wanted to do that now i didn't literally know it was graphic design but i knew i wanted to do that you know well what so, i mean i'm curious what was it though what was he bringing home was it like a poster was yeah it he, he made posters. There was um, like notepads that had like your name on it and stuff. They were like customized notepads they were printing at school. And like there was, um, I think there was like a t-shirt at some point. I mean, it's just like a whole mess of, of things that uh, he would he would bring home that, I mean, we still have, we still use some of the notepads and stuff. That's that, so and that's, cool. That's you know, so cool. 30, 30, 40 years later. But that was something that inspired me to want to be creative. And, you know, you mentioned like, when you know 
having skills at doing certain things and you know you weren't the the top of the class but like i um, one of the things I always joke about is no, you know, I actually I, was at the top of the class. Yeah, you were at the top of the class. No, like, no, I, I was at the top of the class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were at the top of the class. Well, so the different, I'm, I mean, like the different things that you said you were good at and you weren't good at. Oh, yeah. I'm not a painter. Um, I, yeah. I'm not a, like, I'm not a painter. I, I don't, I can't do, I can't sketch like yeah. figures. And that's what I meant. I'm well, not that's, a sculptor, ceramic, things like that. When I mentioned to people that I was a graphic designer, that they immediately think you can draw. And I was never a, a kid that could draw. I would draw for fun or whatever and sketch, but I was never very good at it. And I've 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 said it before on this podcast. The only uh, the only C I ever got in college was my drawing class. Everything else was A's and B's and mm -hmm, whatnot. But mm -hmm. and so you know, not having that skill, of being able to draw was. I mean, I have a skill of drawing. I can sketch to show a client an idea, but I'm no, you know, I'm not. I'm not gonna draw a realistic looking bowl of fruit. You know, like so. But exactly. having the having the computer and being able to use that as my, you know, my tool, I can do that all day long. And that's what really pushed me towards graphic design. Was I didn't have to be able to draw, be able to learn how to draw. I can use the computer for, you know, imagery and typography and all this stuff. Whereas, um, you know, you mentioned uh, being able to build books and use different paper stock and stuff like that. And I wonder, you know, everything today is so digital and all the students, I mean, I, I teach at a local uh, uh, college and everything is digital. I mean, we don't print hardly anything anymore. And uh, I wonder what, what are your thoughts on that as far as, you know, we we came up with using you mentioned T squares and and whatnot, and I don't I don't even know if the students know what a T square is now. I know exactly. I mean, my my son who is an artist and he is he's been in art school in high school. He actually does know all these tools. So I again I I feel like it just depends on how the arts are funded mm -hmm. at the school. It really does. It's all about funding, and if if the uh, administrators of the school value art in the way that it needs to be valued. And if they see art and creativity as a through line to every other industry that exists in the entire world. I mean, there's people that are scientists and mathematicians and doctors that, you know, tap artistic experience and expression through their work, even if they're not actually, you know, a graphic designer like you are. So, um, and if you have someone that has the power to understand how powerful art is, and they also have the authority and influence to get funding, then there will be a student that does know how to use a T-square and understands the value of alignment and symmetry so that they can take those thoughts and strategies to whatever work they're doing online with mm -hmm. the tools that they're using to make that work. So there is a, 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 you know, a philosophy around that type of craft that has a direct impact on the outcome of the work that you're creating. So if you're not really embedded with those, some of those skills, um, you might be at a slight disadvantage, especially in, in a, in a commercial art world, as opposed to a fine art world. Yeah. You know, there are just techniques and skills that you need to know. Mm. you know, to well, be successful in this, in this work. I mean, if you are trying to, for example, um, it depends on your goals. You know, if you're, if you're trying to work at some of these tech companies, for example, you're dealing with very strict, rigid design rules and, and brand standards. And, and those 
rules and brand standards, you know, work on grids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So there's just those types of things that you need to know. And again, I just say it depends on the funding. Um, if there's students that don't understand, you know, how to use a grid or, you know, T squares and compasses and they don't have the concepts of those things, um, it's it's not their fault. I mean, it really is because somebody somewhere doesn't understand exactly what needs to be done to prepare these these students for a long career that can actually transform from something as basic as graphic design to something even bigger, like becoming the chief marketing officer of Pepsi. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. just a, a real path, different path you can take if you have the right skill sets. And I think a lot of it is, I mean, it, uh, maybe an overused term, but creative thinking and, you know, thinking uh, outside of the box of the way that normal people, I won't say normal people, but how, you know, society wants you to solve a problem. And if you're, you know, we're taught as uh, creatives to look at the world kind of differently and to uh, solve problems in a different way. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing. There's so many people I've, I've ran into, I've talked to in my life that say, oh, I'm not creative. I can't come up with things. And I always think that's preposterous. Like, I think you just got to find a way to tap into that. And yeah, well, and somebody and, probably told them when they were younger that that they had something in front of them and they were told it didn't look good or it didn't work or why are you going to do that? And it was something very discouraging. Mm -hmm. And there's some, there's some young people that can, um, depending on their brain chemistry and the way they process information, they can handle discouragement and still keep going. And there's other mm -hmm. students and young people, depending on their brains, they actually need a different type of encouragement. And, you know, it just depends on the people that enter your life that give you the encouragement or not that can intercept, you know, a process that you're working on in your head. So, it, you know, again, it depends on the infrastructure, the people around you, the community. There's a lot of things that, 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 that can, add value or take away value. And then of course it, the individual person, depending on, you know, their psychological space. Right. I mean, I have, a, I have, you know, two children that have um, ADHD and they really do um, manage conflict. Um, and um, they've managed conflict very differently between the two of them. You know, I mean, one kid's like, I'm going to do it anyway. And the other, and the other kids sort of is a little bit more of a, um, you know, slumps his shoulders and, and moves on. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, and that's, you know, we're different. Both, yeah. I'm the same, I'm the same parent, but, and I, and I do parent them differently, but they have different brain structure to help them navigate mm -hmm. things. So I do think there's some people that probably are really creative, but they didn't necessarily have the tools provided to them to get them where they needed to go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hopefully they can work it out as an adult. Maybe they're in therapy. I don't know. Right. It's really, it's really difficult when you have a creative person that's, that's told they can't be creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, couldn't imagine, you know, like I said, I grew up with very encouraging uh, family. And whenever we would, uh, you know, create something, whether it was some kind of art, they put it on the refrigerator, whether it was, uh, we had the VHS camera, we'd make some silly video, my parents would sit and watch it. And they I would, love it. That's yeah, so they, cool. And you had a you had a parent that was um, a mail carrier, which is amazing, and mm -hmm. a police officer, which is also amazing. Right. So you had two parents that were, um, you know, government workers. Mm -hmm. um you know working really hard working with the public and seeing all kinds of things i mean they saw yeah. all kinds of people in the world you yeah. know going through their day-to-day -day lives you know what mm -hmm. i mean so yeah. they had a whole different experience and they probably brought you up with yeah we we learned a lot <laughs> but i know you did was, yeah but it was uh, but it was always very encouraging and they were always very you know there to to 
uh, for my brother and and me. My brother's uh, uh, is a videographer, and he has his own company. You know, doing doing uh, creative stuff as well. So it it clearly worked for us. So we're That's great. We're in the in the creative world. Where do you? So do you have? You do all this amazing stuff. What do you do creatively, or do you have a creative outlet that is just like your own like? hobby or relaxation time do you do you like to uh you know sketch do you like to write i know you you mentioned music uh mm -hmm. do you produce music just for fun and hope that you make money with it or is there is it, <laughs> is it a because uh, oh that's that's what i do I, mine's just a <laughs> hobby and i've made i've been, i've been publishing it on uh spotify one half since 2018 and i've literally made like 170 dollars off of it and it doesn't it's wait like, what made 170 dollars off of what just uh streams of music that you've music. written yeah oh that's so great yeah but i mean it's over the course of like five years so i mean that's amazing though but what i look at it is it's a how creative did you make out. that money though uh it's just publishing it uh on online and people listening to it and prom promoting what it they through do? A tip, what do they do put a tip money in a tip jar or how are you actually getting that money uh it's just through spotify streams and i publish it through a company called route note we're giving a lot of plugs to companies today uh, <laughs> that's, route, because, that's because we're creators i mean this yeah, is what we do yeah. i publish it through uh route note and they spread it out to the world and whenever somebody listens to the song on like spotify i get like i don't know whatever percentage of uh, of, of a cent that i get but uh, i love it money while you it, sleep yeah, it's it's mailbox money, and then that when it so cool. uh, and then when it hits fifty dollars, they pay out. So I I'm like three months away from another payout. So everybody go listen to Creative Culture. You know, <laughs> I think that is such a great story. I love learning about people that are making music and making money outside of the major record labels because nobody gets a major record record label deal. Mm -hmm. And even if you were offered one, I'd be really hard pressed to say, why would you even take something like that? But mm -hmm. um, I love that you're making the little bit of money you've made. I think that's fantastic because there's artists out there that are putting out all kinds of beats, all kinds of ways, all kinds of days, and they're not doing it the right way because they're not getting that $157. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or what did you say? How much did you get? It was about it's somewhere around 175. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, that. there's people Over that are doing that are not making a cent because they don't right. really even know to do that. And I guess that's that's the thing. Um, when you're a creator, that unless you're careful, you can be taken advantage of. And mm -hmm. taken advantage of is when you go into these situations and you don't protect your 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 property and you don't consider opportunities to make money. You're taking advantage of. That's another way to be taken advantage of. You're just you're just not really paying attention and doing things to to help. I mean. Just imagine if somebody heard your song and and like put it in a television commercial for like Honda car or something, right? And you That's have stuff dream. set up on the song, which allows you to get the money if it's played a zillion times. So I'm really excited about that. Um, these tools didn't really exist when we put our records out, you know, back in 1997, 98. I mean, mm -hmm. so I had to, you know, set up a publishing company, which, you know, these things you can still do. Yeah. So I don't use it. I don't use an aggregator like you use. I have my own publishing company. So all that stuff that you're describing goes through my company. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot of work to do that. Um, but I'm just always excited to hear when there's a person that's not been doing like in the music business, that's that's still getting a check of 170 plus dollars on some streaming. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. is so incredible. Well and it's it's yeah it's streaming and people purchasing the album um you mentioned you started in you said 97 98 i was that's also when we first put their yeah that's when we put out wonder wheel i was i was also a uh, part of a uh 
techno uh, electronic music group back in the early or the late 90s um, when mp3.com first became a big deal. It's not around anymore, but it was when the MP3 format came out and mp3.com was where all these independent artists were putting all their music and you and they started paying for streams. They were paying for people to listen to the music on there. And we, me and my, uh, my, my music partner, we ended up reaching the top of the charts on oh there my gosh. and we made over $20,000. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Just, just putting music online and we would have made more of it, it all away. It, it, we would have made they more if it, it wasn't away. for, uh, for Paul Simon. So I wait, have, what about Paul Simon? <laughs> what? <laughs> he, he put, a. His people, I'm sure Paul Simon wasn't there uploading music himself, but uh, his group uh, people, they started putting his music on there and being a known artist, it went up to the top and we were about ready to hit number one. We were number two. And then uh, he went immediately to number one right above us. So I've always joked around that Paul Simon's my nemesis. And yeah, and you know what? The, being famous. The, the thing is, um, and it wasn't even Paul Simon. It was the it major record label yeah. that he was on, right? I mean, the no, major it's, funny, it's funnier to hate him. <laughs> I, it's, it is funnier, but I, I mean, I will say the major, the major record labels are the reason that some of these things got broken for independent artists that were making twenty thousand dollars doing X Y Zs, and now they're making pennies, like yeah. even like fractions of pennies, because mm -hmm. you know they close the distribution channels to us. And so now we can't really do those things anymore. And you have to find a workaround. The only workaround now, you know, yeah, is to set up your own publishing 100%, but also to do a lot of other extracurriculars, like, you know, performing live or having, um, you know, materials that you can sell online, which is still, you know, you can still make revenue that way. But it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot more work when there were times when people used to you know, just listen to music, and they loved it, and they paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's not really happening anymore. Right. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a double edged sword. I mean, one, there's still some, there's so many tools that you can put your music out there. But, um, you know, the airways are really uh, cluttered with a lot of, um, you know, mainstream music and um, AI, um, auto tune things. And, mm -hmm. you know, algorithms to decide like what was a hit song and what was the what was the key it was written in and how do you how do you make the song that key too so it 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 sells more because people recognize the sound and they love it and they're going to buy this record because it reminds them of something and they're not even thinking about what it reminds them of so there's just a lot more technology in 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 the music and i don't know if you read yesterday but um 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 paul mccartney is uh you know finishing up a, an old beatles song using with the help of artificial intelligence and he's oh, going to wow. release a, a he's going to release an unreleased Beatles song tapping into John Lennon's like that's incredible thoughts and, and I don't I, know yeah I don't know how I feel about that he's going to say the least, same thing I don't know how I feel Paul about McCartney this. doing it you know it's not just some random person that's but, exactly what I thought at least it's McCartney but then you're like oh no it just oh, opens the door no. for I mean that's what happened with uh, there was a Drake song that came out that wasn't even Drake. Well, I mean, it Drake was... is alive though. Like I know, he's but still alive. He, somebody, yeah, but somebody else produced the song and post, published on. I'm trying to think it was Drake and somebody else, maybe like know. the weekend or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, and and it's a it's a scary new wild west that it's we're like in. It's like way worse than like when they put um they put that hologram of Whitney Houston on stage and you're just like oh god this is terrifying. <laughs> now they're like resurrecting John yeah. Lennon's voice and piecing his voice together using AI to make a new song from the Beatles. That is so out of control to me. It's it's uh, yeah. At some point, yeah, they'll be writing fake songs and using holograms and it'll be. Uh, did you, you know, did you hear Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins? He was actually, you know, talking about like the soullessness that's happening right now. You gotta, you gotta find his um, commentary on AI 
generated mm -hmm. music. It's actually a very dark world he's describing. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, he's it, kind of dark anyway. But you gotta, you gotta hear right. him. Well, that's where we need independent musicians, and and they'll still be putting out music. And it may be a little harder to find, but I mean, I say that, but it's it's actually somewhat easier to find it's when you find, when yeah. you're on Spotify and you're you know just you you like so many things and yeah. other things start popping up. But I yeah. didn't realize today would be a music conversation. I didn't know, I know you, right? you know, I didn't know anything about your, your music. Do you, so tell me a little bit about, do you, do you write it? You said your husband kind of uh, drives that boat a little more now than. Yeah. Than he's driving it more now because I, you know, I'm running a business, a company and I have three kids that I got to get to college. So I might literally my, um, my capacity has changed. Right. Mm -hmm. so I used to have, um, you know, more time to really immerse myself in creation when it came to music and still balance out my creative work and my agency. And, you know, things change, you know, you, you have children that are getting older and they have more needs. And I'm like your mom and dad right now. I'm like, I'm like the fireman, the police officer and the male person, <laughs> you know, trying to like make all the money so I can get the kids to college. So they don't have to go in debt. Mm -hmm. you know, and take out ridiculous loans that are never going to be paid back. For right. <laughs> like, so, you know, that kind of thing does take me away from um, doing the creative, but, but um, I still contribute. So I sing, I still sing harmony vocals on the songs and I still produce the creative work to, you know, make, to put the yeah. music out there. I still, you know, work with the um, mastering companies to ensure that our codes are embedded and, <clears throat> and I also make sure to upload the files where they're supposed to go. And, you know, I do the cover art and do the marketing on the channel. So that work is still mm -hmm. definitely lands in my space. But because I'm not as, you know, as, because I don't participate as much in the creative process, it does take my husband longer yeah. to produce. So, um, you know, because we were a, you know, writing pair. So the two of us together, um, mm -hmm. were, you know, put a lot of material out. And so now it's just... It just takes him a lot longer. Plus, he has a day job too, so um, he's got to fit in writing songs and mixing, and you know, not mixing, but recording and things like that, and mm -hmm. writing lyrics in between his day job. So, you know, it's like you yeah. know what I mean. So it's just you know, it's it's a different, it's a slightly different world. But um, you know, I still am grateful because again, still being able to have people actually listen to our music now. To me, I'm like, wow, I'm I'm so blown away that we still have new fans that come in, listen to our music and mm -hmm. still appreciate it. And maybe one day someone will discover a song and uh, we'll be back on top again. You just, we did have a lot of songs in some really big movies and ad campaigns and things like that back in the day. Like That's really cool. Yeah. You just want one to show up on like some sort of viral TikTok dance or something and then it just blows up and it's, that you would know, be amazing. you get a million, amazing. <laughs> a million listens. And... Find, find Utah Carol. Our songs are on, our songs are on TikTok. Our songs are on TikTok and and Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah, our songs are licensable yeah. everywhere. Like you can anybody can use our music any place. But um, yeah, and that would be great because then I can retire and not have to. <laughs> That's the dream. <laughs> like That's the be, dream. Just be an artist, but um, yeah. But I am doing a lot more writing. So I actually published my first um, um first essay, um, which is exciting. So I now like have writer as one of my titles, and I'm actually. That essay is a is an excerpt from a larger short story that I was just actually working on yesterday. So I'm still working on um, finishing up a short story, which is a little bit about um, a, a variety of different topics. Um, but it's really focused on my hair and my brand because the pandemic um, changed a lot for me in terms of how I present. 
and I'm sure that changed for you and a lot of people, but for me specifically, you know, as a black woman, I started doing different things with my hair and <clears throat> those different things um, really did confuse me about how I was supposed to present myself professionally online. And I actually, like I said, I ended up writing an essay about it, about the impact that I had visually and inside, like, who am I actually without mm -hmm. the hair I've had for the last few decades? Like, who am I? And so that's really the jumping off point of my essay. So I'm working on a long, like I said, I'm working on a, the the longer short story. And um, and that's something that I do to release tension and, um, you know, some creativity where I can't express it in other ways, right? Like I can't mm -hmm. talk about this when I'm doing my corporate work because it's not relevant. Um, so anyway, so that's kind of the other thing I'm working on too, is doing a lot more writing, a lot more, as much as I can. I'm sure you're doing the same thing. Hopefully, I don't know. Well, the my my writing that I've gotten into is screenplays. So oh, I have see? my yeah. So my brother and I are working on some. Uh, I have I've in the last year written two screenplays that have actually what? entered entered into competitions and stuff. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if if those come to light. That's one of those things that you know, being a being a creative person, we always want to create something. And my brother and I have talked about making a movie for. I mean decades and we just never have and we've wow. made a lot of a lot of connections with people that we you're like uh, the Wachowski brothers what's yeah we we hopefully one day we can you know <laughs> make a movie together and put our names on the big screen and that's that's what we're working towards but you know it's if you would have told me 20 years ago that i would be writing something i would have said you're you're crazy you know like that's that. but being you know you mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast of when you see something out in the world you or you want to create it and that's kind of how i feel whenever i see something i i'm excited about it whether it's music or movies or tv shows or podcasts whatever it is and i and i i look at it and go how can i do that i want to do that but i want to put my stamp on it i want to you know create it in in my way or you know whatever it is and so you know that's been you know the the thing this year is focusing on uh, you know, art and, and movies and trying to, Love it. that's 20, that's your 2023 mission. <laughs> yeah. Is well, well, the, yeah. Cause we finally, so, uh, side story tangent, my brother and I went and saw a film of uh, one of our friends. And when we were walking out of the film, we we're like, man, we really, we need to make a movie. We've said it for years. We need to finally do it. And, uh, at that point, my brother said something to the effect of, Everybody always says he should make a movie, but nobody ever wants to write it. And I said, "Okay, I'm going to write a movie." And 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 within a couple of weeks, I had him a screenplay, and I was like, "Here." And then we went back did and you forth. Did like, you take a class it. on how to write a screenplay or how to format it, or did you just start writing? I mean, how does that even work? Because I thought um, about it myself. I love it. Yeah. So I have software that um, that formats it properly. Um, it's actually the my brother and I wrote one years and years ago. Um, and never, you know, we tried to sell it to Hollywood, got a few people to read it, but never got anywhere with it, but, um, did a little bit of research and I know a little bit about how to write them just based off of our original experience. But, um, but yeah, that was, uh, uh, we, we just using the software, having, having the tools, uh, at our disposal really uh really can help you i mean i love whether, that i'm yeah. gonna have to i really need to know what that tool is because i want to i want to <laughs> i'm like maybe i could turn my essay into a screenplay there, i love it you there's so many there, ideas there's so many there's so many different uh um programs um 
And I'm trying to think of the one that most people use. I want to say it's called Final Draft or something like that. I used a, a program called Arc Studio, A-R-C Studio. Mm. And so it helps you along the way. And I and also just kind of seeing other examples and stuff is great. So well, so now let's let's pivot back to you because it's a lot about me. If you want to talk to me, I'll get on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have I have a couple more questions for you. Do you have a favorite piece that you've created like in your lifetime? Is there something that you look yes. at and go, this is my favorite thing? Absolutely. It's a book that I conceived, designed, um, art directed, the photographer, um, went on site, wrote the captions, brought the whole team together, and also launched a publishing company for the city of Chicago. Mm -hmm. And it's a book um, about an artist named Nikki de Saint Fal. Mm -hmm. um, and she is a French artist. She's no longer alive. And it's one of the most important, beautiful pieces I've ever done in my life, in my career. And it's still, it's still is at the very top of the best work I've ever done. Um, it's about a 50 plus page book. I was able to have the book Smithsown, which is a real, um, you know, beautiful way of binding a book. Yeah. It's a shiny cover. Um, the artwork is beautifully, beautifully filmed. These are really giant, large sculptures. You have to look her up, up Nikki de St. Fal. Her granddaughter's still alive. Um, she, her granddaughter is just a really beautiful person. Um, and there's really giant sculptures um, that kind of look like the, uh, um, the sculpture from the um, from the antiquities of the uh, the I can't think of the name of it right now. The what the the woman stone sculpture with the large bosom and the large um, behind, and it's like a little and she's got like a a, a braid around her head. Um, Nikki de Saint Val kind of is jumping off that and and creating these giant colorful sculptures of women um, in different interesting poses, patterns. And I just, it was just one of the most exciting projects. Um, I worked with um, the late Maggie Daly on it, and she was very good friends with um, one of the Pritzkers, um, and they funded the whole project. And it was just, you know, I got to use all of my senses on this, on this, on creating this job, right? I got to put my business sense together in, in my desire to help the city of Chicago launch a publishing arm, because they have a publishing arm now that they can put as many books out as they want. And also was able to, you know, use my hand skills uh, by making this gorgeous giant album size square book. Mm -hmm. um, it's colorful. I was able to organize the content in a way that made sense um, and, and made sense to the artwork. I was mm -hmm. able to, and it was the photography, the, the art, by the way, was a touring ex exhibition that landed at the Garfield Park Conservatory in Chicago. So the big giant sculptures are huge and they were, you know, nestled in couch within all the beautiful plants and and um the trees and the flowers and it was just such a great project it's on i think it's on my website um and i do sometimes promote it on my instagram channel because i'm still very proud of that work i worked with an all-woman team on it mm -hmm. and they were so focused on honoring um all the women not only the women artists but also all the women that were working on the project um and that were part of the whole team that brought it to life in chicago so yeah. the second project i think it would be was my project for advocate health and that was something that was happening during the pandemic and the focus was to try to help people understand the efficacy of a vaccine and why it matters and why vaccines matter and why you should have one so that you won't get you know covid 19 and and that the outcome of that work um helped inform them on how they could um, do better to reach rural communities as well because the urban communities were in just as bad shape as rural communities in Illinois. So that was sort of a life and death project. And um, that was something that I will I will always remember as as having able to, able to contribute something 
and get paid for it, right? Contribute something to help yeah. help Americans stay alive. So those are sort of my two top projects. He's concerned. You would think that wouldn't have been such a, a difficult thing to tell people, like, take this and you won't die. But yeah, you know, it, yeah. It, it was. Yeah, um, it was just it was just education. It was just, it was yeah. just lack of education. That's all it is. Um, so what what continues to inspire you today to be creative? Um, well, right now I'm actually inspired by the veracity of artificial intelligence. Um, it's moving at such a fast pace and the mm -hmm. tools are so powerful and so amazing and so terrifying at the same time mm -hmm. that it's actually helped in an interesting way um i would never say that i was asleep because i'm a person i i believe i've i've been awake and i'm 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 cautious but i'm also i'm also not averse to risk mm -hmm. and i'm always i'm open to all different types of new technology i'm not afraid of technology ever um i seize it and i want people not be afraid of it yeah i will say that when I discovered um, some of these um, autocorrect tools last year, I really looked around like, oh my God, where where, where have I been? I've been distracted. I mm -hmm. didn't know about these things and I can't believe how absolutely incredible these tools are and how fast and how I can use them for creativity. And and even, you know, just, you know, reforming some of the things I've been thinking about, you know, like, helping me trigger different ideas like i just and i and i did at that point think i have been distracted because this is not a new thing these tools have been around for a long time large corporations have been using them i'm sure smaller companies have been too where have i been mm -hmm. um so right now um i really am inspired by some of these creative tools not adobe which i'm not inspired by adobe at all but i am inspired by these you know tricky things like Midjourney. They have a beautiful magazine that I've subscribed to that I get every month and mm -hmm. puts up the best art from Midjourney. And I've always been interested in art. I, I love art. I'm an artist. Yeah. Um, I love all the different tools that are available for podcasters. I love the tools that that go in and help you edit sounds and uh, quickly uh, and succinctly come back with summarizations of your podcast. Mm -hmm. I love you know, Dally, um, which is something that um, is created by OpenAI. I just, there's just so much out there to do now that you can make really cool and interesting things. Um, I'm not as inspired by the music AI. Mm -hmm. Like that actually worries me a little bit, but right. well, as I think a musician, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not using AI to make a song for me. But, right. I, also, but I do understand the business use for it. I do understand mm -hmm. the business case. I think there's so many people that when when they see AI or they hear about it, they immediately become scared of it and they want to shy away from it. And I think with anything, I mean, it's 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 just a tool that can enhance. If you learn how to use it properly, it can enhance what you do. Yeah. And you know, it can make you more efficient. It can make you you know sound sound better. You know, I've used ChatGTP for projects where I write something and I go, that doesn't sound right. I literally put it in there, right? Make this sound, make this better. And mm -hmm. it does. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm a little scared by it, but I also know it's, it's benefited me. So I've, I'm happy to use it to not rely on it, but use it to enhance what I do. So. I like that you said not rely on it because I was talking to um, a Gen Z entrepreneur and I was asking him about these tools and he said he doesn't want to use them at all to help him create because he, doesn't want to become reliant on them because if he becomes reliant, it might go away and then he might have lost something with his ability to create. Yeah. Um, so this is coming from a person that did not, you know, come up through design 
branding, visual communications mm-hmm. skills training. So I do think that there are vulnerable people. And I'm not saying that I'm that I'm I'm not putting myself up like saying I am not vulnerable. I am strong enough. I'm just suggesting that there are levels to these tools that can interfere with some people depending on their vulnerability. It's yeah. just like what I said earlier, there's some children that if they're told no, it destroys them and other children are told no and they keep going. So mm-hmm. I do think there is some danger in these tools depending on the mind of the person where they yeah. might actually get lost and never come back. Just got to be aware of of what you're using and how how much you're using it. And yeah, you know, vigilance, vigilance is, yeah. is absolutely critical with these tools. You have to be vigilant and you have to have some self-awareness so that these tools don't become um, anything that you're relying on and they just really become extensions of things that you're doing already. So you have to be real careful and you have to pay attention. Right. Well, I have one more question for you today. Before we get to that, um, if anybody wants to learn more about Jinja, uh, you can visit BurkeCreative.com, B-I-R-K Creative.com. And you can find, what was the name of your band again? Utah Carol, Utah like Utah state Carol. I mean, that's yeah. probably one of the things I regret a little bit is our name is really hard for people to pronounce. They're like, what is it? Utah what? Utah Carol. Utah so, Carol. Look, I'll, I'll be looking that up as soon as we get off of uh, of this podcast here. So what's uh, my last question that I always ask everybody is um, if you're speaking to a classroom full of creatives, whether that whatever that might be, what kind of advice would you give them as they go forth on their creative journey? Well, it depends on how old they are. Yeah. Um, yeah, like if it's a child, I would say, um, don't let anybody discourage you if you're an artist, you're a creative, or you feel differently, or you feel divergent, or you see that you have different thoughts and you don't know how to fit into these things. Mm-hmm. I always say, don't fit in because the people that don't fit in are the ones that, you know, do the best work. I mean, if you, you can either be a creator or you can be a slave, like you can, you know, create things or you can, you know, just literally produce and not really contribute very much to the world. And I'm not looking down on people that don't create anything. I'm just saying that if you think about that, it can help drive you to better places. If I'm talking to high schoolers, I'm really focused on how do you maintain your dignity online? How do you maintain your dignity and how do you use these tools to make things versus using them to consume, which then potentially could do bad things to your brain and your self-image and your perception. And also potentially inhibit your ability to, um, you know, get into a great college if that's where you're headed or a good job. So you have to, I want them to focus on how they're using these tools to, for the future, how they build in their future on these tools. That's really where I focus that. And if I'm talking to college people, I'm really kind of saying the same message, but I'm, I'm really trying to help them um, think about how to cultivate your brand better online and offline so that you can grow your career and be sustainable for a long time. Um, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're going into corporate space, how do you how do you create a thought leadership platform for yourself so that people um, really get to know you differently and see how smart and how you know how intelligent, how creative you really are? So how do you how do you make a, a a thought leadership platform for yourself? This is someone in college, and I don't care what the career is. I don't care if you're going to medical school and you got to be in school for another twenty years, or you're or you're going to a trade school. Whatever it is, how do you how do you create a brand identity for yourself online because that's the first place people go when they decide if they want to partner with you, give you funding, give you a job, mm-hmm. you know, or, or go into a partnership with you with your company. So those are sort of the three ways I hit it. And if you're an adult, if you're in your second or third chapter, I say wake up, look up from the desk, pick up the phone and take start taking phone calls. 
start taking phone calls from people, start figuring out ways that you can help someone and then start figuring out ways how you can help yourself by taking what you know and sharing it with others. What does that mean? You know, put your stories on LinkedIn, talk about yourself, be authentic, um, that kind of thing. So that's really where I hit, um, where I start thinking about how do I communicate to different people, you know, to be creative. That's, that's some great advice. And you're the first one to break it down based off of segments of people. That's great because each person's, everybody at a different stage of life is going to have to hear a different thing. So thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. I really appreciate your time and I look forward to all of the wonderful things that you do. And I'm going to go listen to you tell Carol as soon as we get off of here. So thank you so much, Dustin. This is such a great conversation. Thanks. It was great having you. Each week on Create, Talk, Repeat, I want to leave you with some creative task or inspiration, something to get your creative juices flowing. This week, I want to leave you with an inspirational quote. The quote is, creativity is contagious. Pass it on. That was said by Albert Einstein. I mean, you can't argue with Albert Einstein, right? It's true, though. I know for myself, when I'm doing these podcasts, I get reinvigorated with my creativity. Or when I'm around my more artistic friends, it makes me want to create more. And we have talked about this on this podcast several times, including your children in your creative process. I try to introduce my son to as much creativity as I can. I think having a creative mind can help in any walk of life. So feed off the creativity of others and pass your creativity onto your friends, family, and kiddos. I hope this helps you on your creative journey. Thanks for listening to Create, Talk, Repeat. Create Talk Repeat is a Britain Creative production. Created and hosted by me, Dustin Brenton. Development and brainstorming assistance by Darren Caldwell. Music by Creative Culture. Follow us on Facebook at Create Talk Repeat or visit our website at createtalkrepeat.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.